Leadership is taking people on a journey where there is a vision, guidance and purpose. Good leaders lead with the heart as well as the head. Leadership means doing the right thing for the right reason, no matter how difficult it might be. You're listening to Leadership Unwrapped, a podcast where you will hear from people who are living leadership every day. Hi, listeners. We just had a fabulous conversation with Kingsley Aikens, and it's my first time hearing from him, Patricia. I know you had you had met him at a conference mm-hmm. recently yeah. and, and had obviously yeah. spoken so highly of him and said, we just have to have him on. And um, you'll hear all about it, but he chats a little bit about networking and the importance of networking in all of our lives, I suppose, both professionally and personally. And uh, I think for me, one of the key takeaways is like, because he does say that there can be kind of negative connotations associated with the word networking. And I think what really stood out to me is thinking about like, it can be so enjoyable. And it's so nice to be able to connect with people and, and influence something positively, whatever you can do for someone. Yeah, I do think he's right. I think sometimes we have a perception that it's a bit sleazy or a little bit mm. smarmy that you're 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 networking, but you're doing it for sort of your own personal gain and nothing else. But his view of networking is completely different. It's about what you can give to other people and how you can connect to other people, but how you can call on it yourself. And he's Absolutely. really interesting in the piece around loneliness and having those um, mm-hmm. the importance of having connection. And the impact on your health if you don't have it and if you're isolated. So, yeah, like you've said, I, I mean, I went to um, a conference that I was speaking at and he was also one of the one of the panel speakers and I was just rooted to the chair. I just yeah. felt I learned so much from it and just chatting away there this morning. Same thing. My notebook is covered in all in all notes with little cloud things around them because they're yeah. all really important points. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and he's, it's, he's an absolute pleasure to talk to. Oh, he is. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. one of those episodes that I think no matter who you are, where you are, what industry you're in, what background, anything at all, I think it's something that, that uh, will benefit everyone. I agree. I agree. So um, I hope our listeners get something from it as much as, as, as we have. I am... Um, yeah, I think it's just great. Yeah. We're having fun with this podcast. We're enjoying uh, talking to all of our, our guests and to each other. And if you like it too, you'll find us on Apple and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us, our new episodes will be released and drop into your inbox immediately. So do follow and click like. If you do, it will help other people find us, which we would really appreciate. Kingsley Aikens is an economics and politics graduate from Trinity College, Dublin. He has spent eight years as the IDA Ireland and Enterprise Ireland representative in Sydney and then acted as the worldwide CEO of the Ireland Funds based in Boston for 17 years before returning to Ireland and establishing the Networking Institute. Throughout his extensive career, he has come to appreciate the power of networking and he sees it as the glue that makes everything happen. As a result, he and his colleagues have developed a unique and distinctive approach to networking through the Networking Institute, which we are very much looking forward to hearing more about today. So, Patricia, Kingsley recently, and I know you know this, listened to you speaking at a conference and literally she came out the conference was like, Neve, we have to speak to Kingsley. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so looking forward to hearing a bit more. And I know I I looked up some of your work and and listened to some of your videos and things. So I I can't wait to hear, especially in the career stage that I'm in. I can't wait to hear more about your insights and networking. Terrific. Looking forward to this. Yeah.
Yeah, I I said to you earlier, but but I I said to you, I wish I had heard what you had to say and thought about it in the way that you think about it much earlier in my career. So so, and I know you're very busy. So thank you so much for saying yes to us and giving Absolutely. us the time. I think people will get a lot from 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 your experience, but also the way you think about networking. So um, so thank you. Len, thank um, you for having me. So maybe we might start. We we've given a, a bit of insight into your career journey to date, but. Um, um, do you want to let us know why perhaps networking is so important to you and why you've ended up focused in this particular area? Um, yeah, and look, I, I got to go back a little bit and say, you know, for a long time in my life, I hated networking. I mean, mm. I thought it was a sleazy, slimy activity that people did late at night looking for a job or a sale and flicking out business cards. And I just just thought it was a kind of an inauthentic way of behaving. I did not like it at all. And and it took it took a few kind of harsh lessons and a few kind of experiences in in work etc to get me to realise that actually no I had I had it all wrong, and that the, I remember reading an article that said the number one predictor of career success is being in an open network rather than a closed network and mm. a closed network would be you know if you had a party and invited everybody you knew and everybody knew each other really well it's, it's kind of like a closed network but an open mm. network is where you have a lot of diversity and difference and people from different areas. And then just through, I guess, sort of the harsh experience of, of life, um, I learned the power of networking because you mentioned, um, you know, I got sent out to Australia to work out there representing Enterprise Ireland and IDA. And when I arrived, I didn't know, I didn't know a sinner in Australia. Now, yeah. I got to know a lot of sinners since. But, <laughs> but, uh, <yeah. laughs> but I realized that, you know, and I, it, that was the first big lesson for me was that to survive and thrive, you need to have a strong and diverse network. Uh, and from there, I began to appreciate that this stuff's important. And, you know, and we might come to this, but it's not really taught at school or college mm. um, when you think about it. I mean, progress in school or college generally is a function of a grade, a score, a metric. And then you get into the real world and there's a whole series of things that count, but they can't be counted. So I'm thinking of things like, you know, resilience and determination and grit and attitude and humor. And you can go on and on. Yeah. All of these kind of what sometimes termed as soft skills, which is a little bit of a pity because it makes them sound a little bit squishy and unimportant. Mm. And very often soft skills are actually quite hard. So that yeah. was my background to this <laughs> world of networking. Yeah, I I have felt the same about it because I I, I find it quite hard. I'm an introvert. You wouldn't, mightn't believe that, but I am. And, and I find it quite hard to go up and speak to people and engage with people. Um, and one of the things I've learned and I say it to, to, to newer colleagues that I work with now, go to a conference on your own. Because if you go with your peers, you'll hang out with your peers. But if you go on your own at coffee break, you'll end up connecting with people. And that's networking too, you know, and introducing yourself and making those connections that stay with you for your career. But it's not a skill we learned and it's certainly not a skill that I learned it through my, my PhD or my master's. It was something that I had to develop myself. And I think we could help people a bit better by supporting yeah. people in developing those skills. And actually just picking up on something you just said, uh, and I, I, introverts can actually be better at networking than extroverts. And that seems on the surface to be hard to understand because we tend to mix up networking and sociability. We tend to think that the most social yeah. person is by definition the best networker. But actually, 
introverts can be better because they do it with decency and authenticity, integrity. They ask questions and they listen. All the things that the extrovert doesn't really do. I mean, the extrovert's trying to wow you, trying to impress you, you know, is looking over your shoulder to find somebody more interesting to talk to. So, so I'm not an introvert, but I'm also not an extrovert. I'm what they class as an ambivert, which is, you okay. know, I really enjoy social activities and all that kind of stuff, but I really, really need time on my own. So I've kind of got a bit of both. But I think it comes as a surprise to many people when I say, actually, introverts can be really good at networking. Yeah, yeah. you made my day there now, I must say. You can keep talking <laughs> about that. I'll be very happy. So, um, But I, I think it's something that can come with a little bit of pressure as well, because there's more and more conversations around networking at the moment. And I'm just thinking of like when I went to a conference, I know I was talking to another PhD student and they was, it was like um, their, their one big conference that they'd get to go to as part of their journey, you know, due to funding and that type of thing. So they'd put all their eggs in one basket, as it were. And um, their supervisor had said to them, like, OK, you know, this is make or break here. Like, you really need to, to come home with, you know, kind of X number of contacts almost. And like immediately... She started to worry about that, you know, because of the pressure that came with the, the expectation of networking when you go to the event. So it's um, I think it's difficult to having expectations around it without, as you say, any kind of training or guidance on it. I agree. And, and I think the point you made earlier about, um, you know, not going to a conference with a with a buddy that you hang around with all the time. And you even see it at these, you know, like Chamber of Commerce dinners and things. A company will go and they'll have 10 people on their company table and they'll spend the entire night talking to themselves. Yeah. So uh, so I think that's right. And a little bit of this is, is pushing yourself outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. and into what I call a growth zone. And and when you look at it like that, um, I, I think you can, you can see that you can sort of see the positives. And you, but it, but I completely understand. I mean, one of the great fears in life is walking into a room where you know nobody. I mean, I I don't like that. Nobody really likes that. So you do have to kind of push yourself outside that kind of mm. comfort zone. I also say. Your, your name tag is a permission device to talk to strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. And, and, and it's, it's just, a, you know, and I think when you, th- when you think about it, talking to strangers is, is what networking, a lot of networking is all about. And what, yeah. are you told, what are you told as a young kid by your parents? They say, don't talk to strangers, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yet, you know, our children are at more risk statistically from friends and family than they are from strangers. And yet we have this, what I call stranger danger. You know, don't talk to strangers. There's something odd or stra- about them and it's uh, risky, you know. Mm-hmm. But actually the stats don't bear that out. Mm. Yeah. And I agree. And you also describe um, networking, which I, I heard you say, as building long-term hearts and minds sustainable relationships. I think that's a fantastic yeah. way of thinking about, about networking. Yeah. And it makes it like you've said, um, more authentic rather than that sort of perception that it's less authentic to be just connecting yeah. for the sake of connecting. Yeah, and, and back to your very original questions to why I kind of got into this and realized it was important is, is I had a few kind of what I call light bulb moments in my career. The first one was that you know life is a game of inches. The difference between success and failure, coming first and second, it can be tiny, can be minuscule, mm-hmm. can be very, very wafer thin. Um, and, and we see it in sport all the time. You know, you can win the a golf tournament after four days by one stroke or, you know, one yeah. goal in a match or something. Yeah. So it's, it's often very, very narrow. But it's actually, 
the implications can be enormous. And so being, you know, the whole theory of kind of marginal gains is that, you know, if you're just 1% better, uh, you don't get 1% more. You often get a lot, lot more. And if you're 1% worse, you don't get 1% less. You often kind of get nothing. So back to my old IDA days, you know, when we were trying to get a foreign direct investment into Ireland, if we won an FDI decision, fantastic. If we came second, even if it was by a tiny, tiny margin, guess what we got? We got nothing. So it is, um, you know, it's quite, the implications can be significant. So I realized that. And then the other real thing I realized that, you know, one introduction, one conversation can change your life, but they don't happen lying in bed or sitting at your desk. Mm -hmm. They happen when you're out and about, when you're in motion, when you put your talents on display, when you uh, get an opportunity to speak, you know, when you change your routines, when you, you know, what happens then is you're inviting a lovely concept, I call it funnels of serendipity. You're inviting mm -hmm. chance and randomness into your life. And, and guess what, you know, when we look back in our lives, we've all got examples of just why we ended up doing something or why we spent time with somebody it goes right back to luck and chance and randomness mm -hmm. and serendipity. Yeah. I think planning yeah. gets you to the tip of the iceberg, but serendipity, luck and chance gets you to the seven eighths of the iceberg that's hidden underwater. Yeah. And you also say that opportunities don't float around on clouds, but they're actually yeah. attached to people. And I think that's just a stroke of genius. You're absolutely right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, look, we, you can't go it alone in life. I mean, you, as I said, that opportunities don't float around in clouds. They're attached to people. So if you're looking for an opportunity, you're really looking for a person. But yet we get peddled this kind of myth of individualism. It's kind of really like a Hollywood myth, you know, the Lone Ranger, the yeah. Marlboro Man, the Wonder Woman. Life is about the rugged individual taking on the world and winning and we love that it's a heroic film sort of stuff but actually you know it's it's bullshit it's life is about yeah. connecting collaborating cooperating it's about connecting with other people and even though you know networking is a it can be very helpful it, it, for very practical things in your life and, ter and certainly in your business life and in your professional academic life it's a it's a way to to uh, find investors and find sales get sales and find staff and all that good stuff but the reason i'm particularly interested in it is that all the research shows that people who have strong and diverse networks live longer are stronger mentally and physically earn more money and are happier and i kind of like all of those and yeah. there's another yeah. one, which I, and there's another one which I think is possibly more important and more relevant today than ever. Networking is the antidote to loneliness, which yeah. I just think is such a critical thing in the world today. I mean, so yeah. many people now live alone in, in cities like Paris and Stockholm. It's over sixty percent. Wow. So you know, and the Harvard Longitudinal Study on Aging, which is the the longest study ever done in history. Um, it basically says that isolation and loneliness are more damaging to your health than smoking, obesity, alcohol. Yeah. So it puts it right up there. And this has all been reinforced and re-emphasized by the last few years that we've all gone through with COVID. Because I yeah. think the hidden cost of COVID is that our networks have shrunk. We've hunkered down with friends, family, and just a few connections outside of that, um, the inner concentric ring of our network. But that's not where opportunity lies. Opportunity lies at the outer concentric ring of your network. So the net cost of this is that, you know, our networks have shrunk. Um, there's less learning on the job. 
there's less um, company company uh, loyalty. That's an interesting one. And there's, I think, it's a bigger struggle with developing company culture. And as we discussed before the, the recording, less sense of belonging, which I think is a yeah. really powerful dynamic out there. So so we are paying a price. And um, I think we're going to see that price being paid in, in, in mental health issues, et cetera, as the years go by. Yeah. Um, so we really have to kind of refresh and uh, and renew relationships and build new ones. Yeah, yeah, because COVID was the exact opposite, wasn't it? Like it was, you know, your bubble, like was was how mm. we were referring to it. You know that mm. you you should be in your bubble, and it's the exact opposite of putting yourself out yeah. there and uh, out of your comfort zone. And at the same time, you know, there was there was two years where that was quite strong, you know, and I know COVID's yeah. still around and all that, but, you know, there was two years where people really were very consciously trying to minimise their contacts, you know, and it's it's a long time to be reframing your mind after, you know, to, to re-get back out there and start meeting people again. Completely. I mean, and I think um, the other danger in all of this is that when you hunker down, you tend to spend a lot of time with people just like you. You know, mm-hmm. your friends, yeah, your friends and family true. are kind of like you. So there's a fancy Greek word called homophily, uh, which yeah. kind of means the tendency we all have to hang around with people just like us. But we're living in societies which are actually very, very diverse. So when I grew up in this great city of Dublin, which was neither today nor yesterday, I hasten to that. <laughs> uh, you know, we used to describe it as male, pale and stale. You know, it was not yeah. very... Not very cosmopolitan, <laughs> not very <Yeah>. international. <laughs> I told a joke when I was down in Limerick. I said, I remember back then I went into a restaurant. I asked the waiter, what's the soup du jour? He said, hang on, I'll ask the chef. So he goes in, he asks the chef, and he comes out and he says, it's soup of the day, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I remember. Very good. <laughs> and, and, you know, but now the city I'm living in here, you just think of the statistics that 14% of the United States were not born in the United States. In Ireland, it's 17%. In Dublin, it's 25%, you know. So what we're living in is a very diverse cosmopolitan society. But here's the question. If your network does not reflect the diversity of the society you live in, the economy you operate in, you as an individual, you as a company underperform. That's backed up by tons of research. So, Mm -hmm. So there's an interesting challenge there of having to be uh, making a decision to seek out what I call unlike-minded people, people who aren't like you, don't look like you, dress like you, sound like you, have the same views, opinions, etc. And and that's uh, that's something we all have to be aware of because otherwise we'll end up in these kind of, you know, uh, echo chambers of people who just reinforce our own beliefs. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think we... we and. I mean, we're hearing so much about the importance of diversity, but we need to live it and we need to even just to, to scan your network to see how, I mean, you're, the challenge from what you say, which is really important for us, is to scan our network and to see is it reflective of of the of the society in which we're now working. Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. in our line of work, international engagement is, is huge, but it's about reflecting the diversity in that international engagement as well, not just going to the Eurocentric piece all the time. It's really yeah. challenging for us. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think we all have to sort of make a deliberate, you know, analysis of our of our networks. I actually part of our teaching process in the networking institute is to encourage people to do an audit of their network, which means to actually, you know, print off your network on a wet Tuesday and and really look at it. And what you discover is, you know, you discover a few things when you do that. One is you can tidy up your network. I mean. 
I have takeaway stores in Boston or Sydney. I don't need them anymore. Get rid of that. We sometimes mm -hmm. say prune your yeah. network and watch it grow. So that's quite a good exercise mm -hmm. to do. Secondly, you realize when you look at your network, there's whole areas where you know nobody. You just don't know anybody in, I don't know, aircraft leasing or tourism mm. or, or reinsurance mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yeah. So you can actually say, I'm going to go and seek out people in those areas because I want to learn about those areas. So that's a proactive decision you can make. And then the third thing, and it's a really interesting one, is you'll discover that you had some terrific networks in the past, some terrific connections in the past, and you've just let them slip. You, you just lost contact. And nothing happened. You didn't have a row or a dispute, but just, you know, life got in the way. You went one way, they went the other way. And there, I always say, they're the hidden gems in your network. And I did it in a very practical, when COVID struck and we couldn't move, etc. I actually just dug into my network and I made, it was just one call a week, but I did it for over a hundred weeks, one call wow. a week to somebody that I used to know really well in the past and I just hadn't spoken to maybe five or 10 years. And I, mm -hmm. what's lovely about that is you can pick up where you left off. You're not looking for anything. You're not trying to make a sale or anything. You're just ringing up to say, hi, you know, we're all hunkered down here. We'd love to have it. How are you going? How are the kids? So that was fabulous experience I went through and we can all do that. Um, so I think there's, there's a little bit of process you can hang around networking rather than just think it's sort of something that just kind of happens on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really a useful tip for people to think about is to just just connect like one a week, you know, which is really interesting. A coach had given me that advice about sending a message once a week to your team, to somebody in your team. Um, and it generates an energy just by doing that alone. It says, I, I see you and I remember you. Um, it's just really simple, but really valuable. People respond really well to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we sometimes say, you know, that kind of approach is like picking up grains of sand, you know, one at a time. And it feels like an absolutely impossible task. But actually, mm. you know, in time, they become bucketfuls and you'd be pleasantly surprised uh, what what comes out of it. And, and it, you know, I think there's a there's a huge sort of nearly like a dopamine hit in both sides, you know, that somebody cared yeah. enough to give you a call to say how you go and what's happening in your life and uh, and you yourself get to have and you just always be amazed what comes out of it you know mm. because the way to people you don't know is through people you do know and yeah. and, and that suddenly becomes the, like the the tupperware effect you know you start yeah I, I sometimes say it's the ripple effect you know you know you throw a stone into a pond you know those ripples kind of spread yeah. and spread and spread yeah. um and uh, and it becomes a very and it I know I think we all we're human animals we crave social contact um, we enjoy it um, uh, we get a great hit when we when we introduce two other people to each other that don't know each other I mean that's a lovely thing to do and some something good comes out of that we all feel great about it yeah but the, and the thing about this as well though is you have to go and put yourself out you need to put yourself in the space or in the way of making networks so you have to go to the things like you know, the conference here or the workshop there or the, 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 the evening meeting or the dinner or the social occasion, you know, the chamber occasion in the city or whatever's happening. You need to go to them to make those connections. You have to put the effort in. You know, and networking is easy to do, but it's easy not to do. And so it's easy yeah. to say no to all those things and just say, you know, I'm tired. I've had a long day. I'm cranky. Uh, the kids or whatever. And just say, look, I'm just not going to make the effort. And I completely understand that. And mm -hmm. we have to keep all of this sort of stuff uh, in, in balance. But the harsh reality is that if you don't take action quick as a flash, nothing happens. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> you have to do stuff. Um, so it, it is about um, being proactive and taking action. And I always say, you know, go the extra mile. There's less traffic there. 
just just push yourself a little bit more. Go 51% of the way rather than 49% of the way. And uh, guess what? You get pleasantly surprised by what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah it's fascinating. It. It's such a universal thing as well, isn't it? I mean, I saw a clip there just this morning of um, President Biden's visit. And, you know, it was the, the Taoiseach's dinner that was happening last night. And they were talking like it was, you know, a voiceover. And everyone was coming in and shaking hands and sitting down at their seats for the meal or whatever. And the voiceover is talking about, and this is still work. You know, they're all networking and making the connections, whatever. And you could see, you know, these really like high profile people working the room. You know, and it was just yeah. really interesting in in like when I knew I was coming into this conversation, I was just thinking about just how universal it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think also we nearly have a an unfair national advantage here because um, partly because of my other great interest in life is diaspora. And, you know, 10 million people left Ireland in history, which is the bad news. And the good news is that uh, 10 million people left Ireland in history because it means we now yeah. have a global tribe, which yeah. very few countries in the world can kind of equal. But it's a sociable tribe who in, enjoy networking. I, I gave some examples on an interview yesterday. I mean, there's 7,000 Irish pubs outside of Ireland, you know, more outside yeah. of Ireland than inside of Ireland. That's, yeah. you know, six, uh, six uh, million people in England have an Irish grandmother, you know, uh, or grandfather, wow. grandparent, which means they, there's more English people with an Irish grandparent than Irish people with an Irish grandparent because of the numbers. That, you know, there was a time in history when, there was a time when the Prime Minister of New Zealand was called Muldoon, the Prime Minister of Australia was called Keating, the Prime Minister of England was Callaghan of Britain, the Prime Minister of Canada was Mulroney, the President of the United States was Reagan, and Charles de Gaulle in France traced his origins back to the McCartans in County Down. So, so, oh, so, so what you saw over the last few days with Biden and all is just a, it's the tip of the spear of, of, of something mm. quite incredible around the world, which is the network that Ireland has all around the world mm -hmm. and there's all these organisations and associations like there's 500 GAA clubs outside Ireland there's wow. the same number of Kildas Kildori groups yeah. outside of Ireland you know so it is a phenomenal national resource we have and what were once I say lost actors are actually now national assets and so that's an exciting dimension because I think there's a difference between and don't let me rant on too much about this, but I think there's a difference between the state and the nation, the state being kind of lines on a map, but the nation is kind of like a global notion. And boy, do we have a, a massive global yeah, footprint. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's I love huge. The idea. It's, yeah. yeah, it's huge. I, like, I was talking to a friend, they were thinking about moving away for the summer and they just were kind of, you know, toon and fro about whether they go, they wanted to go over to America. And they were like, just saying that, you know, basically it's a little bit scary, you know, when you have to move away and you have to start from scratch when you don't know anyone or whatever. And the conversation initially went to, well, sure, join the GA team, like. You know, that was actually how the conversation went. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, sure, I suppose I should meet loads of people or whatever, you know, and I know so many people who have moved away and that's the first thing that they would do, you know, because it gives you, it brings you into that community where you can, you know, feel, again, it goes back to belonging, I suppose, as well a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but sure, no, I, sure. I completely agree right. with you, but, but we have such um, a strong network to draw from, from alone without even having met people. There's almost sure. a network because of where we're from, yeah. Sure. And I, when I was with the IDA and Enterprise Ireland, you know, I used to call these people that I know in the, in the Irish network, I call them tipping agents 
people who could nudge a deal in our direction through an introduction, a piece of advice, a conversation, a suggestion, etc. And I found these tipping agents were phenomenal. They were in positions of, of some influence and affluence at, at times, and they could open a door and that, that becomes the marginal gain. That becomes the nudge factor. It becomes the difference that can actually pull something in, in Ireland's direction. So I think um, we, we're very fortunate to having that kind of global resource that we can tap mm-hmm, into. Yeah. And uh, the other um, piece around networking, the way that I've heard you talk about networking that I have liked, which links into those kind of almost that space internationally and that global nation. It's not about what you can get for yourself. It's also about what you give to other people. And you've talked mm-hmm. about, you know, opening the door for someone or, or getting two people connected that, you know, need to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that it will help both of them, that there's a buzz from doing that, too. It's not just about, you know, furthering yourself. Yeah, in fact, I mean, I think uh, when, when you even look back on the definition of networking, I mean, most people think networking is something you do when you're looking for a job or a sale. Whereas we take the opposite view. We actually think networking is, is what can you do to help other people? What can you do to add value to other people? Based on a really sort of very simple and very human principles, the more you give to individuals on a consistent basis, it, the more it comes back to you from the network. Um, and, you know, it's a virtuous circle. Uh, you And you feel good about what you're doing. Uh, the other person benefits. And um, and guess what? Without looking for anything or hollering anything. And I always say, you know, networking is not about any one big thing. It's about lots and lots of small things. Um, and I think when I was down in Limerick, I, I gave the example of, you know, I write handwritten notes. I have a card, I have a pen, I have ink, I have stamps, I have a post box. <laughs> and yeah. I write cards to people, thanking them for anything. I, or maybe I send an article, sometimes even get a book and send it to people because nobody does that handwritten stuff. It sounds like Charles Dickens at work. But, but when you do send a handwritten note, that's making a real statement. Yeah. I remember reading a line that says, what comes from the hand goes to the heart. And it's a simple thing. And I've like I've dozens and dozens of these small little simple things. I'll give you a couple more. One is never leave, never leave thank you naked. In other words, don't say to somebody, thank you, because that's such a throwaway line. But if you say, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Thank you for introducing me. Thank you for something. Small little mm. thing makes a difference. And the final one, always try to remember something small about people. Some small bit of information might be about their family or their kids or the exams the kids are doing or where you go on holidays, your favorite food or football team or whatever it is. And when you repeat that back to them, maybe months or years later, boy, are they impressed because it proved you did the number one thing about networking, you listened. (laughs) <laughs> in a world where most people just don't listen. I mean, we live in a world where people are very poor listeners. So when you do that stuff and all those little things, I think they all add up. It's really important when you do remember something and you say it to the person or you say, how is such after they've, you know, two weeks before, or a month before, or a couple of months mm. before said something that, that mm. you know, the, it's happened to me where I felt, oh, my God, they really they really connected with that. And mm. it's made me feel more connected to them. There's a, re- there's a reciprocity in yeah. it, which is yeah. really good. Yeah, absolutely. A small thing, but big implications, you know. Yeah. Can we can we talk a little bit um, about mentoring and sponsorship, Kingsley? Because when you talked about this, I was rooted to the chair. We've taught this area 
But I hadn't thought much about sponsorship. And yet the way that you spoke about it made perfect sense to me when I reflected on my own career. I thought, you know what, this has happened for me. So mm. I thought listeners would get a lot from hearing a little mm. bit about that. Would that be sure. okay? Sure, super. Yeah, I think in your career, you need to look out for different types of people who kind of help you in your career and, and in terms of your network. And you need to have three types of network. You need to have a personal network. And that's all your friends and buddies and mates and pals and school and church or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that that's all great because... They're all in different, diverse industries and sectors, and you know they can make interesting introductions for you. So we all need a personal network, and we all have that. But we also need to have a practical network, and a practical network is the people who will help you do your job efficiently and effectively. You need to have a courteous and harmonious relationship with these people. You don't have to love them or spend a lot of time with them or go on holidays with them or anything. Just, you just need, they help you do an efficient and practical kind of job. So that's a practical kind of network. And then you need a kind of a strategic network. Mm-hmm. And the strategic network, they're the sorts of people who are going to help you get to where you want to be in the next five years. And in that, we talk a bit about mentors and we talk a bit about sponsors. So the difference between a mentor and a sponsor, a mentor doesn't have to be in your organization. It could be somebody outside. And a mentor talks to you. A mentor kind of gives you the good, the bad, and the ugly. It gives you lots of advice. That's terrific. But a sponsor who needs to be in your organization, a sponsor just doesn't talk to you. A sponsor talks about you. And the reason is that Every major decision about you, your career, your compensation, your promotion, the next job you take will be taken by a group of people sitting around a table in a room and you won't be in that room. So if nobody knows you, if nobody speaks up when your name is mentioned, guess what? They'll move right along to the next name. So now you've got this challenge of you need to find somebody who'd be willing to kind of go out on a limb for you, who's willing to kind of, as we say, sponsor you, to talk you up yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and when you're not around. So a lot of people miss that bit. I think a lot of people uh, slip into this notion of... Um, we call it the good worker syndrome. In other words, they say, you know what? I'm going to work really hard. Love this job. Going to work really hard. I'm going to do a super job. Keep my head down and let my work speak for itself. But mm. here's the problem. Work doesn't speak. Other people speak. And if other people don't know how you're contributing to the success of the organization, guess what? You just get ignored. No matter how good the work you do. So it's important that, of course, that you do, uh, you know, invisible work, you beaver away and do your work, but you also need to do visible work. People need to know how you contribute to the success of an organization. So I came across this Mm -hmm. in a practical sense during my own career. And then I saw it beautifully articulated by a guy called Harvey Coleman. And he had a theory about career progress and he said, and networking, and he said, it's the PIE theory, P-I-E. And P stands for performance. And he said an outrageous thing. He said, how well you do your job contributes 10% to your career progress. Now, surely that's nuts. Surely doing a super job is like, you know, it's 80%. It must be 80, 90%. Do a great job when you will soar. And he says, no. He says, doing a great job is the minimum. It's mandatory. It's expected of you. It's expected of everybody. It gets you into the stadium of competition. It gets you on the pitch. It gets you, as he said, on the career ladder. It doesn't get you up the career ladder. Because he said, 
You get paid on performance. You get promoted on what other people think of your potential. Now he's introducing two pesky little words, other people. So if it's not P for this pi theory, which is only 10%, what is is the I and the E? Well, the I, he says, is your image. And he says that's 30% of career progress. And that's, you know, what's your reputation? You know, your reputation is what somebody says about you when you're not in the room. And your reputation follows you around. And in some cases, your reputation precedes you. People have heard of you before they've even met you. So he says, that's 30%. And then 60% of career progress, he says, is um, E, which stands for exposure. Who's seen you in action? Who's seen you deliver? What would you be a go-to person for? You know, um, what are you known for? He said, you've got to be known. You know, he said, known, not famous, be a Kardashian, but you've got to be known yeah. for something. You've got to be a go-to person for something. When your name is mentioned, what are the adjectives and nouns that come into people's heads, you know? You're the person to go to for something. So this all kind of segues into this whole notion of, um, you know, your personal brand. And I'm always a little nervous about talking about personal brand because I think it makes you sound like a tin of beans or something. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, Whether we like it or not, we all have a personal brand. And your personal brand is not what you say it is. It's what other people say it is. Um, And, you know, not having a personal brand. Some people say, I don't have a personal brand, is having a personal brand. So, you know, these are the sorts of soft things that people don't often get taught very much about. um, Don't get an opportunity to kind of uh, articulate or, or discuss it. But they're important. Yeah. I think this is huge and I think um, we haven't talked enough about that in terms of career development from for men and for women. But but I've noticed in, in my role now that when an opportunity would come for someone and, it, you know, it would put them out into a wider domain or put them on the, you know, in the radar across the university or maybe across universities. And you'd say that's an opportunity that you have to take because that gives you exposure. But people will say, look, I'm really busy at the moment and, and this is and. You know, you'll do as much coaching as you can to, to encourage them to think more widely. And some get there, but some don't. And I always feel a little pang of sadness when somebody doesn't take it up, because I know that it, it that exposure piece means that when you're in, when, when, when that conversation is happening in that room that you're not in, that person has become known for, for being really good in this area across a range of people. So they, right. they latch on to that. And so you have to take the opportunities when they come. You know, and it's not about being expedient mm-hmm. about exposure, saying I'll do something, but go on a committee and do nothing. It's 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 being part of it and making a contribution that people latch onto and say this person is really um, reliable or their potential is huge or I've seen their capacity, and that a few that exposure is more than from within your own unit in your organisation. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And I think, you know, I'm always sensitive about this topic because it does It sound as if I'm promoting people to be um, really pushy, smarmy, you know, pushing themselves, boasting, all that kind of stuff. And there's a fine line between that and no, just making sure that people know what you contribute to the yeah. organization. And in a sense, it's, it is about your, your, your personal reputation. And it's also about something else, which is developing trust from other people in you as a person. And trust is a pretty fascinating thing. I mean, there's a thing called the Edelman Global Trust Survey comes out every year. They look at trust around the world. And they said that trust in four institutions, his most recent report, 
government, media, non-profit and business is at its lowest level in recorded history. Mm. So we're living in very distrustful times. We distrust a lot of the things we used to trust in the old days, government or church or whatever. So, so building a reputation for trust um, and trust is not an event. You know, you don't meet somebody today and they trust you tomorrow. And, and trust is not even deserved. Trust is earned. And trust is doing what you say you're going to do over and over and over again. Yeah. And, and we all know it. We kind of find it hard to describe it, but we know it when we see it. Um, and, uh, and building that reputation for trust, I think, is probably the most important element of your personal brand, is uh, having a reputation for being trustworthy. Yeah. I don't think it's even effective to, you know, when you're saying that you're you're not necessarily advocating for people to really push themselves out there and kind of be, you know, like really Smarmy. forward yeah. and, yeah. you know, about it and things like that. It's marmy, yeah. But like, I think, um, I don't think you can do that and get the results that we're talking about here. You know, I know I was speaking to someone at one of these events and, um, you know, she was really experienced academic, so she'd be, been at loads of them and we were kind of having a similar conversation and she was like, you know, like, you know how people are from how you speak to them, how they present themselves, how generous they are with, you know, their knowledge or their network or whatever it is, or if they're just trying to get something off of you and that's the yeah. purpose of them having walked up to you. So I think you can see it very clearly, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't your radar work. is there. Your, your radar yeah. can pick up these things for sure. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And I think we should listen very carefully to that radar that, you know, I look back on my own career and I say I've had a few instincts that I didn't listen to. And boy, I wish I did. <laughs> you know, yeah. My life got more complicated because I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I've learned to trust that piece as well in in when you're networking with with colleagues that you that that sense of that you trust the instinct that you're getting i think that's sure, what i'm trying to sure. say yeah i think um I, I think a really important part of networking if i was asked the number one skill in networking would be to be a really good listener and yeah. you know we live in a world where you know people just don't listen um a lot of people are narcissistic listeners so if I said to you, Neve, I'm thinking of buying a motor car and you said, I bought one last week, the guy wanted 20,000, I got him down to 10,000, supercar, you've taken my topic, my yeah. point, and hijacked it and turned it into yours. And I, people do that all the time. And, and, you know, so a lot of people, there's a difference between hearing and listening, you know, and a lot of people hear, but they don't really listen. And most people, when you're speaking to them, are quiet only because they're preparing what they want to say next not to hear what you're actually saying and not to really listen yeah. to what you're saying. Um, so I think mm. that uh, that's a really interesting uh, skill to have, to see listening as a form of activity, you know, listening yeah. not just to what somebody says, but what they're going to say next, you know, and, and starting sentences that begin with who, what, when, where, why, and how, and end with a question mark. You're just asking questions and, uh, you know, giving somebody being completely present in their presence, you know, really really listening to specifically what they're saying, um, asking the right kind of follow-up questions. Oh, that's really important. And I think in networking, there's actually probably probably three great questions you can ask in any encounter with anybody. Uh, and the first one is, what can I do for you? Rather, what can you do for me? Because, yeah. you know, I think that gets that whole notion of I'm willing to do and give something for you, to you. And then the second question would be, if if you were me, what would you do? And here you're asking for advice, which is, you know, paying respect and deference to somebody's wisdom and experience, etc. But you have to 
practice what I just talked about. You have to practice kind of listening. And both those questions kind of segue into what I think is really the gold dust question about networking, which is um, who do you know who works in aircraft leasing or lives in Cork or whatever the answer is. So what you're kind of really saying is, do you trust me enough that you'd be willing to put your name and reputation on the line for me to make an introduction? And having an introduction, it's a bit like, you know, having a passport at the border. You know, it just it just makes all the difference if you have somebody willing to make that kind of introduction. And that's where networks become very, very powerful. People see you as somebody that they'd be happy to make an introduction for. And they see you as somebody that mm. you don't they don't think they're trying to use you in some way. They actually are very happy to add value. And, and you know, if you just pass that stuff on, I'm a great believer in send the elevator back down, you know. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of help from a lot of people in my career over the years, and I just want to pass it on to as many people as possible. The people that help me are, are either they're not around or I can't, uh, they're not, I've lost touch with them, but I, I can pass it on to others. And so that kind of uh, ripple in the pond effect, that kind of can be very powerful. Yeah, I love that idea of send the elevator back down. Just we, and we talk about this a good bit, um, about how you pay it forward or how you generate a network you know, of support, of kindness, basically. So, and I mean, networking is about kindness. It's about yeah. connection, but it's also about kindness, yeah. which I yeah. really value. I, I take I really the value. ATM approach to networking. You know, like if you go to an ATM machine and you keep taking that money out, money out, money out, guess what happens? There's a flashing sign comes up saying <laughs> <laughs> insufficient funds, right? You must know that sign. Uh, unless you put money back in. And if you put money back in, you know, everything's fine. So, that's where it's networking is reciprocal, but very different skills. You know, it's percussion or drums or, or wind or string or whatever it is. Um, and they're all different. But, but you know, the whole is more than the sum of the parts, if you know what I mean. And, and, and you need a network that has all these brilliant people in different areas. And when they come together with you as the conductor of this orchestra, it becomes something really, really, really powerful. Um, and so I do think, you know, you, you need to think of your network as... It's a safety net if things go, go wrong or you have a crisis or you lose a job or something. It's a safety net. But it's also a trampoline that can bounce you into all sorts of different types of places and different types of people. And you can use it in both those positive sort of ways. If you were, if you were, sometimes I think in, in, in schools and in teaching, we, are, we, we see ourselves as, as networking only within our own area. So... If you were to say, how could a school leader build a network that would be more sustaining? We see a lot of um, burnout and and stress and overworking in that particular population. It's really difficult role. There's a new report out in the UK that shows the hours that school leaders are working is inordinate. So even getting the t- even getting the time is a is a challenge. But I'm just yeah. wondering, I, in my head, how would we support them to, to, to see networking differently? Listening to this, obviously, yeah. would be the first step. But. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, and, and you know, seeking out, seeking out difference. And I, and I know the last thing they want is more chores piled on them um, because they're so busy. They're under such pressure and stress in many ways. But it is important that they kind of can poke their head above the parapet and see outside the somewhat yeah. siloed world that you know we all tend to end up in. Um, so ha- having the, that opportunity of looking outside of it, I mean, I think 
you know, when we're growing up, uh, we tend to have two types of networks or we tend to have an organic network, which kind of just happens as a function of school and family and, you know, hobbies and sports and all that kind of activities. And that's fine. And that's great. And that we hang around with people kind of just like us. That's all fine. But as you progress through your career, you have to actually have to develop a network which is intentional and which is strategic yeah. and which is thoughtful. And so a lot of people uh, in their career don't realize that the technical skills they needed to get their job in the first instance, critically important as they are, become less important mm -hmm. because everybody has them. Mm -hmm. You can't compete in what everybody has and relationships become more important. So they miss that kind of inflection point and they often get a little bitter and uh, unhappy. I mean, Sheryl Sandberg, I think she calls it the tiara effect. Um, and this particularly she was saying about women in, in business where they say that, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to do a super job and I will soar automatically. And then they see somebody else who is making great progress, but is not as good as them, they think. And they get kind of upset about that. So, yeah. um, so it, it, you know, those relationship things are important. So to answer your kind of question about the burnout and the pressure on these people, if they still got to find a way to seek out people who are not teachers, yeah. who are in different industries and different things and begin to to share that stuff. And that's why, you know, chambers of commerce and those in sorts of institutions are important because you can have a certain sharing of of issues and, and, and yet you're meeting people in different sectors. When I, when I worked with the Ireland Funds, I mean, I, I was amazed, um, in, like in New York, we'd, we'd have a board of maybe 30 people in New York and they were all from different sectors. There's accountants, there's lawyers, there's advertising people, there's aircraft leasing people. And, and actually, I didn't realize it when I got going in this, but we served as a really interesting way for them to meet leaders in other areas yeah. because they're so busy in their, in their world. They get little time to do that. But by being part of a nonprofit and the glue being, in our case, uh, issues in Ireland, allowed them to, to meet people of diverse backgrounds and industries. And guess what? They started doing business with each other. So there's a yeah. bit of self-interest in there. I mean, I think Bill Gates put it well uh, some time ago. He said, the great drivers of life are self-interest and helping others, which yeah. at, one level, <laughs> at one level sounds contradictory, but I, 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 get, I get what he's saying, you know? Yeah, I do too. And I, I do think there is a lot to be learned from looking at how other, or, or just talking to people who lead in other areas. So in, in, yeah. in industries or different, different industries and tertiary sectors and all of that kind of, but that, that intersection generate something else or gets you to think a little bit differently about the way that you're doing your own work um, or even, you know, yeah, about how you could do it differently or help yourself better in the process that you're just simply by having a quick conversation with somebody at, at a chamber of commerce evening can change how you operate your meetings. It just Exactly. And, you know, I often think back to my dad left school at 14, joined a company and left that company age 77. Just mm -hmm. a quick 63 years in one yeah, company, wow. right? So, so in those days, you know, companies outlived people. But now we're in a world where people outlive companies. I mean, you know, 50% of the people listening to this call who reach the age of 60 will reach the age of 90. Many people will spend a third of their life post-work in retirement in many cases. So there are real implication in, implications in all of that. But when I look at my kids now joining companies and getting going on their careers, they're not going to do 
being that like my dad who was 63 years and got a clock at the end of it that's not going to be the world they live in their world is going to be extremely diverse and they're going to have maybe 15 or 20 different jobs in different companies and that's why your network becomes really really important Mm -hmm. because like 80% of good jobs are not even advertised they come through your network and so there's a sort of a, a very practical reason why you should early in your career be building that diversity into your network because we're living in, you don't need to tell you guys, an extraordinary kind of uh, disruptive change. You know, turbulence and disruption are kind of the norm. And, uh, you know, COVID has been, was such a devastating impact. And often people think back to the last great scourge, which was um, back in the uh, back in the early part of the century when we, we had that uh, awful flu flu uh, flu epidemic around the world that killed you know millions and millions and millions of people. But people people sometimes forget that that was followed by an extraordinary period of growth and innovation and creativity and invention. I mean, we went from horses to motor cars in a very yeah, short period true. of time. You know, Fifth Avenue was full of horses in 1900 and in 1914, there wasn't a single horse to be seen. Yeah. And that yeah. was after centuries. So, so the, you know, I'm looking at chat GPT and I'm sure in the educational yeah. world, you know, yeah, you're all watching too. all that. What? Yeah. But 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 there, that, that you know that sort of turbulence and disruption is going to be the norm. So we got to yeah. build in a degree of resilience into people yeah. in terms of what their careers are. And I think part of that resilience is helping them build a, a, a diverse range of connections and contacts that they can they can engage with. Yeah, that's it. Because I think there's a, there's another huge element of it that I don't know. Have we necessarily like explicitly touched on it yet? But you know, of course, by building networks, you can get opportunities and jobs and those types of things. But there is just like, for example, I was just thinking when you asked about school leaders, Patricia, like building a sense of community of people that you can talk to and people that you can say, well, how are you? You know, I'm having this general issue. Like, have you experienced something like that before? Like, and try and learn from other people and just having that sense of community where people feel that they're not alone in whatever it is that they're dealing with. And that's a huge part of having a network as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm. I'm really interested. I'm really the demographic of our leadership in in school leadership now. I'm talking about specifically is changing so much, and uh, there's the piece around just being able to bounce off ideas and get ideas, you know. But the other piece is we've a, a real unusual anomaly in Ireland where our our school leaders, um, as they're finishing their careers, begin PhDs. And when I go to Europe, they're like, "What? <laughs> you know, how? Why are people doing it at that stage?" I think because they have more to give and they and they're looking for ways to increase their own knowledge, but also to share it in ways. So the networking is also about that piece. And that's connected to what you've just said, Niamh. And that's why if we can help, if we can help change the mindset around networking in that will support that, that, that piece of work that school leaders are doing and 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 looking at how they can then give back because they're not finished when they're when they're retiring or retiring early. They have a lot more to give. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. In fact, some years ago, a friend and I set up, a friend Ed Kelly set up an organization called The Third Act, basically saying that, listen, you know, know, people leaving, you know, careers in their, you know, late 50s, early 60s, they actually may have 30 more years to go. And they have a huge amount of energy, enthusiasm, knowledge, expertise. And we fail in a way to kind of... um, uh, tap into that and yeah. uh, find a way because I think the most important driver at that stage in life is often purpose 
and and you know when you pull the rug of a career rug out from under people they they often feel a lack of purpose i know when i yeah. lived in the us we used to run events down in florida and that's where americans you know when they make a ton of money in chicago or somewhere they go and live down in florida but very often they kind of dribble away because they they just don't have any great sense of purpose in their life mm-hmm. anymore so i think purpose is important um and i think you touched on something there which is the problem with the, there is a real problem with the work networking you know first of all you know m- most people kind of hate it and it, it conjures up as i said at the beginning pretty sleazy images and and it is a problem with the word i mean just you know there's a difference interesting be- interestingly between the noun and the verb like if you say of a good network that sounds pretty pretty positive mm, that's good yeah. but if you say yeah oh yeah networking people cringe and think that's something to be a little bit dirty so i think there's an issue with the word and i've struggled with it ourselves here in the institute because we people were saying no change you should be called the connecting or whatever it is but mm. you know we all know what networking is you know and what what it could and should be so we, we kind of stick with that but there is a there is a challenge there is a challenge of what people think of it um, yeah. and very often it's a negative image and also to see the value of it for, I mean, I do wish, I was blessed in that. I, I still remember the first conference that I went to on my own. I was on, I, was, I called myself Patricia Nomates going out for the coffee at 11 o'clock. And this woman, you know, said hello. And I was like, hello. And that bore a professional network for the years of my career that we have followed each other's journeys and now are are building something really positive in leadership between our two countries, between our universities. And it came from that simple networking piece where where she had seen, I suppose, that I was on my own and came and said hello. And then it was like, what do you do and what do you do? And suddenly the connections happened and this this fantastic yeah. support. And so many students have been supported by that simple conversation, that simple yeah. network. Yeah. That it, it is yeah. about giving back and creating yeah. something more. So we could yeah. reclaim that language a bit. I think because something good is happening in it. I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, your network's portable. You know, if you build a strong and diverse network, when you move to another company, it moves with you. It's yours. You own it. You know, you possess it. It's a, it's a net asset, you know, for your, for your own kind of yeah, career. It's about social capital. You know, and I think social capital is going to become increasingly important. I mean, we all understand financial capital and money and possessions and house and car and all that stuff. And we all understand human capital, which is kind of what you know. And both of those are within you. But social capital is between you and other people. And I think it's going to become increasingly important. Um, And what I see the way how companies now, um, they want to hire and wire. In other words, companies want to hire people who have who've got networks and the companies yeah. want to wire into those networks yeah. for their own benefit. And there's a concept of network intelligence. And uh, this was written a lot about by Reid Hoffman, who founded a company called LinkedIn, which is a pretty amazing mm-hmm. technology yeah. company. And he said network intelligence is an acceptance that there's more smart people outside your organization than inside your organization. Yeah. It's just a function of numbers. Um, and your network is the way that you can find out What's going on in your sector, your segment, your geography, your industry, your country, county, whatever it is, you know, it's through your network um, and, and your, your network will give you those tips and advice and gossip and all that stuff. Because there's two types of information in the world. There's formal information and you can you can Google it and you can read reports, but that's available to everybody. And then there's informal information and that comes 
from your network and that yeah. can often take can be often gossip and tips and advice and suggestions and all that kind of stuff it's a bit like a nest of a birds build nest with all sorts of bits of twigs and trees and everything so I, I think that's where networks can become really 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 yeah. helpful that you get a one piece of advice can change your life you know um but uh doesn't come lying in bed or sitting at your desk you know yeah, that's, a, that's absolutely true. And I do think you are right that people who are hiring are hiring and wiring. They are looking at the network that somebody is bringing or how they're yeah. thinking about their network intelligence. And mm. I think that can tip the balance in the favor of someone when they're when they're when they're looking for a job is yes. is to bring that with them and to bring that potential with them. That impresses a, a hiring yeah. committee. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would say I've looked at it myself as I've chaired hiring committees. It's really important. Yeah. You know, to go back to my point about marginal gains, this this is this game of inches. There's a lot of very smart people out there going for these jobs. So you need to find every competitive advantage you can get. And yeah. here's one that you can, everybody can build this competitive advantage and use it to your, to your benefit. And, you know, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. There's so much to, there's, I've written a load of notes as I've spoken to you. Excuse yeah. me, my voice is giving me trouble today, but, but, um, and it was the same the last time when I when I listened to you, I was mesmerized. I was sitting in the front row looking up um, and <laughs> just saying, I wish, I wish I had had this conversation so much earlier. So I, Kingsley, I'm delighted that, that you're you're putting this message out there. And I think the Network Institute, which we've seen on LinkedIn, which I would really encourage people to look at, um, offers so much. And, and so mm-hmm. but we'll put some information up. Yeah, we'll that. link it all. Yeah. Yeah, which would be yeah, really and good. we actually we we codified this. We've we've recorded about twenty five videos and put an online training course together. So you know people can go on and they can they can they have to buy it, but they can do that course and that's working well with with companies where you want to try and embed this learning. You know, so I tend to go in and spend a, three hours with a with a company and then put them on this course to kind of embed it because you'd be familiar probably with the Ettinghouse forgetting curve, which says that, you know, within a day of any presentation, uh, 50% is forgotten within three days is sort of like 75% within a week, it's 90% (laughs) forgotten. And we're all busy, we're under pressure, but if you don't take action, you know, nothing happens, as I said earlier. Yeah. You, you can't learn to swim by reading a book or you can't learn to ride a bike by watching a video. You know, you actually, ha- actually have to get out and do this stuff. You do, and you have to think about it. You have to, you know, you have to, sure. you know, there's, sure. there's, there's a slight change in mindset about it that we've, yeah. we have spoken about to open yeah. up that part of yourself, that networking yeah. part of the brain, really. Yeah, we say yeah. you've got to put it front and centre of your personal and, and business lives. Um, uh, you know, and, and it does mean actually thinking about it, as you say, just, you know, really, really being self-analytical and saying, you know, what does this mean for me? How can I get, become better at it? How important is it for me? You know, how can I learn mm-hmm. about this stuff? Um, and, you know, how can I pass it on? Uh, yeah, which is an important yeah. part of it too. Yeah. So, Kingsley, we ask a few questions as we wrap up our chat. And, and, oh, right, and, right. One, yeah. and one of them, which I, I sometimes I forget them, but one of the <laughs> question was... Um, a leader who has inspired you or maybe somebody you, you could change it a bit and have a, somebody who networks that inspires you if you like but who would you who would you say well I, I was lucky enough to work for a guy called Tony O'Reilly I don't know if you guys are probably oh, too yeah. young to remember him no I remember but Tony O'Reilly so he was he was a wonderful um he was a wonderful rugby player, um, played for Ireland when he was 18 years of age, played for the Lions, went to South Africa, New Zealand, set all sorts of records. 
but he used his network in this case through rugby to you know propel his own career around the world and I, I say something about him that I've never heard anybody else say that he never invested in any in any country in the world where he hadn't played international rugby so he used that network so I don't believe in you know a lot of people say you got to you got to follow your passion I'm, I'm not sure about that I think you should follow what you're good at but use your passion. So I, I certainly, and uh, I was a very poor rugby player, but I certainly used, and I played a bit, of, and I, I used it everywhere I went around the world. In fact, I went to Australia, and I didn't know anybody, as I said earlier. And I rang, my mum had a friend's kid in Sydney, I rang him and said, can you introduce me to the local Irish business network? And he said, there isn't one. And I said, well, why don't we get a few people together? And we got 13 people at dinner one night and we, we launched the Lansdowne Road Club because we were rugby players. Then we dropped the road because there was all sorts of other, you know, in the spirit of kind of sporting yeah. ecumenism. So, um, but the Lansdowne Club is there today. It's the biggest Irish business network in any city in the world. Wow. They had their lunch, St. Patrick's Day lunch there, and there's 2,000 people at it a few weeks ago. So, wow. you know, I'm, one of the things I believe in networking is nobody started a large organization. Everything starts at zero. You know, 21-year-old son of a Syrian migrant in Cupertina in a garage made the first Apple computer, you know, and yeah. there's heaps of stories. I mean, Ryanair set off from Waterford with one plane in 1985 and 17 passengers and look where they are. So I think yeah. looking at it like that and uh, gives you, you know, an impetus uh, to go forward on, on these sorts of things. So yeah, Tony Arai to me was um, the consummate networker, uh, superb speaker, um, wonderful, uh, charismatic individual. So he left a big mark uh, on me. Wow. Fantastic. And then the next one, Kingsley, is looking back on your own journey. Is there anything that you would do differently? Looking back on my own, is there anything I would do differently? Um, So I hadn't thought about these too much. So so I I think uh, if there's anything, um, I wish I'd played a musical instrument and learned to play a musical instrument. I had two great things I really wished I'd done. One was to learn languages, and I, I've made quite a lot of effort to, to do that, and I've gone to live in France and places like that. So I'm a big believer in that. I, I do a lot of work overseas. To I was in Bosnia and Serbia and, and uh, Georgia after Christmas doing workshops with government people there, and they all spoke perfect English. I mean, it was so impressive. Yeah. And I just think I that we're really deficient in that area, yeah. so I worked yeah, on that. But absolutely. I never worked... I never worked because I never had an ability. I love to be able to play the piano, but that's a, that's a, I know that's not particularly a career thing, but it is something I regret. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think a portable instrument as well, there's an awful lot to be said because I played piano growing up, but like yeah. I know from when I've been abroad, like I've met people, you know, I worked in a summer camp and say, for example, someone had a tin whistle and they played the tin whistle. They, they were able to throw that into the suitcase, bring it with them wherever and, you know, have the bit of crack then like sitting around in the evening or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Something like that as well. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic because it's something that you can bring with you. Not that I, yeah. I always like the piano. No, but you know what I'm trying to say? I think I, I would say one thing. I think it's, imp- it's helpful if you're particularly if you're overseas and you're traveling around is to have a party piece. And yeah. if you have a mo- if you have a tin whistle and you can whip it out, it's fantastic. I mean, it's just wonderful. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't do that, but I and I can't sing at all. But I did do one thing. I learnt a poem by heart, and it's about sixty, seventy lines. And you know, when the spirit moves me or when I'm under pressure, 
uh, I can say, well, I know a poem. And of course, not, no, not many people know 60 lines of a poem. So immediately people say, oh yeah, give us a poem. And it's actually quite, it's a harmless enough poem. But I find that just having something like that, it gets you out of a corner, you, you tick the box, you move on and, uh, and people remember it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a man after That's my true. own heart, Kingsley, because I'm I'm oh, the right. poem girl too, and my poem is um, "The Listeners" by Walter Delamere, nice and scary. Oh, um, but I, I have it to you know, and yeah. learned it from my grandmother, who used to recite it to us as we were going to sleep, which is slightly gothic and macabre, but she used to. Yeah, and uh, it's still there with us now, you know. But it, but you have <laughs> it, and it's something. Yeah. But I, I don't do it very often, but it's there if it's needed. Good it's to know. Good to have it in the in the bag. Yeah, in the repertoire. Yeah. 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 And if we were to ask you, what piece of advice would you give to somebody starting out on their career? Yeah, look, I mean, speak to everybody. I mean, just you never know who somebody knows. So, I mean, I speak to everybody. I mean, I, I, here's a, I, I, I'm very friendly with my postman, whose name is Andy. And do you know I, how I know his name is Andy? Well, the answer is because I asked him. I said, what's yeah. your name? And he said, my name's Andy. And he said, and your name's Kingsley. And I said, how did you know that? And he said, I deliver your mail every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Lovely. So, so Andy and I, we have a good bit of a chat most mornings when he's passing. And, uh, and it's good crack. I'm not looking for anything. We enjoy each other. And I just think, you know, we, we tend, to, I think all societies in the kind of world, we tend to become more and more kind of secluded from people around us, from neighbours and et cetera. So, you know, I, I always make a bit of an effort to chat to, I, you know, I thank bus drivers. I, I like to talk yeah. to the barista and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I think all that's sort of simple sort of stuff. Um, the one thing when I, I was I was thinking of was, is maybe to tell people at the beginning and they're setting out on the journey, as you say, somebody that I, I became a fan of who wrote at the other end of the journey when people are about to die. And this woman is called Bronnie Ware. And if you've ever heard of her, an Australian, maybe New Zealand, palliative care nurse who looked after people during the last 12 months of their life and looked after thousands. And she wrote a book called It's the Top Five Regrets of the Dying. She said all people said the same thing to her. So I think, you know, when you're starting out, it might be worth thinking with, (laughs) it's a bit macabre, I know, with the end in mind. And what she said is people said, I wish I'd spent more time and stayed in touch with more with my friends. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. She said, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had put, you know, kept work in its in its kind of right place rather than just completely working like crazy. She said uh, the people told her they wish they had lived the life that they wanted to lead, not the life that other people wanted them to lead. Mm. Um, and she said, I wish uh, they said, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And the fifth and final one was, I wish I'd allowed myself to be happier. So they're all kind of, they make you think a bit and maybe starting out with <laughs> with the end in mind, you just, uh, there might be some lessons yeah. there for people. Yeah, absolutely. That's very really powerful. profound. Yeah, it's very powerful. It's really profound when you yeah, think about yeah. and And yeah. as important today with the way that work is taking over, our time sure. and the changing nature of how we're thinking about work. Sure, um, sure, yeah, totally, I think yeah, yeah. Probably good to start out with the, yeah. those in mind. They would be important yeah. in a good induction handbook for any organisation, yeah. as well as for life. Yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. Look, I, I don't say them too often because they sound as if a little bit of a downer. But but you know, I, they're meant in the most positive way, and they're meant yeah. as uh, good yeah. takeaways. Yeah. Uh, so. 
Kingsley, thank you so much. Pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Can you you can see why I wanted to chat to Kingsley? Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think it was just I was mesmerised when I heard you speak, and today Great. again, the same. I'm Super. jotting away. Yeah. So there's just so much learning yeah. from you, and you're very generous in how you give that out to people. So um, well, you know, just, spread it around. You know, send the elevator back down and. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, you, n- you never know what might happen. I mean, I'd love to mm-hmm. do, I'd love to get you know, students in universities throughout Ireland, throughout the world, making this a module. Even if you're doing medicine or engineering or computer science, I think this is yeah. an important part of who we are as people. And But it tends to get um, ignored. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think we could start also early too. There are there are places in school in transition year and yeah. because when, this, when uh, those students yeah. are going out to placements, just a little yeah. module yeah. around developing that muscle, that little bit of skill. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of potential here, Kingsley, I think. I'd yeah. like to continue the conversation. Well, I, I, did a, I did a piece um, online there. I put stuff up online about the importance for youngsters to try and build some diversity into their network and not hang around people just like them. And I got a school in Dublin call me and said, that was really interesting. Could you come and do it for our final year boys' school? And I said, happy to do it. And I, I did it with them. And then they said something very interesting. They said, could you come in the next night and do it for their parents? And 320 yeah. parents showed up wow. the next night. And there was 100, that's really 160, you know, boys, you know, yeah. all couples. Um, and but they showed up for this and uh, it was a fantastic opportunity and they yeah. really they really bought into this whole thing. So I thought that was yeah. that's yeah. an indicator. That's brilliant. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. More of that is needed, most certainly. Mm. So hopefully mm. we'll continue to talk after Good old, guys. This over the next few Listen. weeks. Lovely Thank to talk you to so you. much. You too. Thank Thank you. Absolutely so much, brilliant. Thank you. That's great. Bye bye now. Thanks a million.